Hi there, my name is Sam Smeltzer and I'm an HR intuitive and healer and you're listening to the Heart of It podcast where we chat about what matters most in the world of HR, the people. In this episode, we are, as I hinted at last week, not uh, sticking to our originally planned or scheduled programming. Uh, as I said, we ran into some hiccups with the scheduling for the book club. And so they only had two weeks of discussion that left us with two open spots. The first one, uh, my husband, Josh Smeltzer, hopped on and did a intro piece to the book that we were unpacking. And now here I am at the end doing the concluding piece. So today, what I want to talk about with you is about this five element concept that we've heard about over the last three weeks and how it truly is everywhere and how this is a universal cycle that points to the direction that we're all part of this incredible kind of collective. Um, and so today, that's what we're talking about. But before we dive in, I want to remind you of our small group coaching program that's launching in August. If you feel like you just don't feel as connected to your work as you did in the past, comparing now to day one when you were hired, then this program is for you. It's called the Disengagement Detox. It's 10 weeks. It's virtual. We meet every week for 90 minutes. And during that time, we come together and talk about why is it happening? How does this engagement actually materialize in your three bodies? So it manifests physically, emotionally, and spiritually for us. And how do we undo that? So all of these programs out there, all these things that we've been reading about in self-help tell us that we need to process and undo and heal ourselves. But how? Chinese medicine has shown me quick ways that when we're ready to release it, we can. And that's what Disengagement Detox is all about. In addition, during this 10 weeks, it was specifically created for leaders, people, practitioners, my HR people, leaders who love people in business, believe people are essential to business. Not only are we going to restore your engagement and elevate your ability to be connected to your work, we're also going to revisit and revision. So we're going to restore and renew and maybe even gain new clarity about your vision for your people at work and what is possible. On top of that, we're going to revisit some tools to strengthen your resiliency so that you don't continue to disengage from your work and kind of stop some of those cycles from happening. So learn more about that at theheartcenter.com. But now let's get to this episode. Uh, let's do this. Hello there and welcome to this episode of the Heart of It podcast. I am pretty excited today. I get to do another solo episode with all of you. Uh, the last one I did was when we were launching the Heart Center and talking about this concept of an HR revolution, which if you missed that, go back. But that was different because I wrote that and read it to you almost like poetry because I wanted it to be perfect. And so today is really kind of bittersweet because I didn't get to end the book club in this big finale that I hope to do. But I also get to talk to you the way that I did for four years before we started bringing guests onto the podcast, which was something that happened 
last season and we continued on this season um, and we're more than halfway done. Uh, and it's definitely added this different kind of dynamic, but I still miss, you know, just me, the mic, you uh, as we talk today. So really grateful for this opportunity to talk about elements everywhere, every day. Uh, and this is really inspired by the book, The Five Element Solution, which we just finished up with the book club and closed out the book club series. Uh, and I thought this is the perfect opportunity for me to talk about five elements. Uh, number one, linking it to organizational development HR work and how that's relevant, because uh, that's where the core of my work is, is bringing those two worlds together. But also just giving you a taste of how you can experience this everywhere, every day. Because the five elements, what's fascinating to me is it gave insight to this greater natural cycle that we are all a part of and to live in great balance and and in one with the great collective of us being uh, one in this world is recognizing this five elemental cycle. You know, if we take it at the very basic form and looking at how those elements are linked to the seasons, starting with winter and the water, morphing into the new life of spring, which is wood, then into the heat of the fire in summer, to late summer of earth as we start to calm, and then finally transitioning into fall, the great preparation for winter, which is metal. You know, as someone who lived on the West Coast and then moved to the East Coast, going from really no recognition of the seasons except for what was happening event-wise, you know, like fall festivals, uh, winter-themed aspects during the holiday season, um, and coming to the East Coast where we have a, a physical tangible seasonal change. We get to experience the leaves changing. We get to experience the snow. Uh, and I can't help but see the correlation of some people who are really truly connected. And when they've experienced both, even though they love the warmth of the West, they feel drawn to the East because those seasons, that tangible change triggers something in our balance. It gets cold uh, we feel this need to hibernate and slow down. We can't really push through and go outside. Yes, there's sports and things to do, but for the most part, we feel this natural tendency to withdraw. If you're out west and it's nice and it's sunny and it's beautiful outside, you feel that need to withdraw because that seasonal elemental factor is still there, yet uh, it's it, it kind of messes with you logically because it's sunny. So you should go out and do the things that we do and engage in the summer. Same thing with summer when it gets too hot. That heat uh, shuts you down. And when we have too much fire, um, we can have problems, you know. So one of the greatest things about elements is also that lesson of balance is that too much or too little of any of these elements is dangerous. Um, and can be detrimental uh, to uh, multiple things. And we see that, you know, once again, if we go seasonally, you know, if it gets too hot or too warm too soon after winter, we have flowers that start to sprout and start to bloom. And then we have frosts and that can kill the plants. Um, and so we watch all of these things kind of happen in nature. Um, and knowing that nature is one of 
are created as teachers. Um, and this is when it really started to open my eyes. And just because it happens in nature doesn't mean it doesn't translate everywhere else. You know, we've seen organizational development theory, uh, you know, psych- psychology-based theory, all hinting at these cycles, these phases. And what if those are from an elemental perspective? You know, before we start talking about just traditional and and how these might become uh, elemental from a viewpoint and we can use these insights and overlay them with what we know and experience in the organization, I want to take a moment and just pause and challenge you to think about what's happening in your organization in correlation to the season that we're actively in. So knowing that we are entering late summer, which is earth, this is a time of nurturing. This is a time of self-care. So do you have a lot of people requesting for paid time off? Do you have a lot of people who are uh, kind of mentally kind of checked out and they're doing other things? Their focus is elsewhere. Um, Do you see that potentially um, a uh, a an instinct, an intuitive, uh, instinctual drive or desire or need to nurture your staff? Like, are these things happening because you're reacting to the greater kind of elemental cycle uh, that's present for us globally as a world? Um, That's things that I'm starting to pay attention to. Uh, is how do we link to that greater collective because it's not all separate. It's all part of one. Now in that, there's also these smaller cycles that occur and happen. So we have, you know, the employee cycle. We have an organization um, and how that function and grows. Um, And so let's start with employee because I think that for most of you, HR practitioners, leaders, people practitioners, let's at the end of the day, that's what it is, your people practitioners. We uh, watch this employee cycle, which is a lot like the five element cycle. So take, for example, when you're onboarding somebody and they're trying to figure out where they fit, that is the water cycle. In the five element solution book, the author talks about um, water being the equivalent of doing nothing. You know, when we're onboarding somebody, they're kind of going through the motions. We're training them. We don't have a lot of expectation. We accept for them to take in and to absorb. You know, water is about deep reflection, going into the depths, understanding, um, and also beginning to uh, identify and recognize where they belong in this greater scope of things. Then transitioning into spring, which is when I start to take action. So this is when you start seeing your new hire doing things, having small successes, uh, starting to get passionate about things, having their initial goals and maybe meeting them, moving into the fire, the passion where they can really thrive. You know, this is when we see these employees that we've hired really, really shine. And then going into earth, which is that essential self-care and nurturing that they need for themselves and the support that they need, where I think we can make the argument that this is where we struggle to provide and help them when they hit this earth portion of their employee cycle. Uh, And this is possibly where we lose a lot of them. 
And then the metal element is really this evaluation aspect. And this is maybe the materialization where we actually do lose somebody. This is when somebody has the ability to evaluate and set goals to get ready for the next water cycle, which then evolves in that employee cycle as they continue in their tenure with us to be a deep reflection period once again of what's next, of sustaining their engagement and their work with you and how they add value to the organization. But this can also be an evaluation period of Maybe I don't belong here. Maybe I don't want to be here. That relies heavily on what we do during that earth aspect. And so even me just rattling these off, talking about these five elements and the employee path journey very loosely, I'm sure that you can hear or think of some places that maybe if this is what's happening or what I should be expecting from the employee on this point of the journey, why in the world Am I doing this? Or maybe that's what's causing them to leave sooner. It's affecting my retention rates. Like, for example, if I'm expecting during onboarding that I see the fire without allowing them to be in the water, that potentially could cause an issue. I already kind of highlighted because I know earth is probably our greatest need. I know it's earth for me that caused me to leave all my past employers that I was missing something. We see it uh, collectively across the globe with the high need and the, the, the booming self-help industry that's happening. So we see people realizing they can't get their earth element cared for in their workplace, which I think was kind of an assumption at some point. Um, and now going out on their own and identifying that and, and taking care of themselves and standing up for that. So now let's talk about this organizationally, you know, so organizations start, they strategize, all of that happens in a water aspect. And the one thing that I will just say, and this is one of my greatest ahas in the last two years, looking at Chinese medicine, putting it on top of the organizational development work that we are doing is when we strategize, we're supposed to go into it with no expectations. And maybe this is because we have really um, discounted the the value of intuitive skill sets, which intuition is probably one of the game-changing aspects of some of the greatest leaders in the world. Some of the greatest businesses and entrepreneurs, they had to follow their gut. It wasn't 100% certain every risk that they took. And... So when you are strategizing and you are visioning, we want to make it um, so definitive. It's almost like we want to put it in the metal element. Strategy is at the beginning. And we go in with no expectations, no initial framework. And that is when we have the best possible outcome. And when we strategize, then we move into spring for an organization where we start to take action. And we don't actually start high performing until we get, until we get to fire, this flourishing kind of aspect. Now, for me, uh, this is actively happening as we rebranded. So we rebranded, but we shifted our focus. And many of you know this to these people practitioners. And we started with strategy. I spent, you know, a good chunk of time. I could even make the argument that I've spent the last five years 
doing essentially nothing and just being guided till I could come to the point where it's the heart center. And now I'm technically in spring. I'm taking action and figuring out we're not to fire yet. But then after fire, the next piece in an organization is how do you care for it? How do you have that earth element, the support, the nurturing, you know, the mother aspect? And if we want to just back up and look at HR in a traditional sense where people talk about HR being the mother of an organization, is this where we have failed in an aspect um, to really recognize the significance of it? Earth is so pivotal in the sustainability of the entire cycle, is a key component in in what is the outcome of the metal that comes after. And my thought process, my perspective, my mindset going into that. Um, And I do think there's a lot that we can do around earth. And I will say that as the personal kind of guinea pig, because what I have realized is my earth was so out of whack and it continues to be out of whack. And you've probably heard this on the podcast. I've talked about using people to help supplement my earth. I've done that actually pretty heavily. um, And that's where I've gotten burned several times. Um, And now facing the fact that I have to cultivate my own earth But it's also pushing me to think, how can we help others cultivate their earth? Because especially in an HR capacity, even a leadership capacity, if we want what's best for our people, we're going to help that element thrive for them professionally and personally, because it's all connected. And then for an organization coming to fall, this is revisiting what you have accomplished, evaluating before moving into the next phase. And this is essentially what we call that strategic cycle. So I know some people have five-year plans, 10-year plans, one-year plans. Whatever that is, you're following a five-element cycle. So those elements are everywhere. And I really challenge you that as I kind of, you know, quickly run through all of these, think about your organization and your employees and how can what you heard from the book club and us talking about these elements and how they come alive for us personally, how can they add to the conversation you're having organizationally about your people and add to the strategies for your people for retention, for recruitment, but really for retention. I think retention, this can be game changing there. You know, as for fun, I wanted to, um, you know, talking about how elements are everywhere. I I found it fascinating as I was reading and having this awareness of this greater cycle that legit, you know, elements are everywhere. And especially in pop kind of culture. So if you want to feel fire, if you want to feel passion, um, and you want to feel that heart because heart is connected to uh, the fire. If you watch America's Got Talent and you can actually tune in and be present, especially anytime that there's these golden buzzards and you can easily go on YouTube and watch all kinds of golden buzzards and you can pick buzzards, buzzers, and you can pick, you know, kind of your talent genre that you'd like. 
But these people share their backstory of the passion and the journey that they've taken there. You know, you get taste of what their water element was and then the spring before it's gotten into this flourishing kind of uh, uh, passion. And music is a huge one. These singers who work their little tushies off to want to be this amazing thing and share their heart and soul. And then they come out, put it out there. And when they just kill it. And then they get this golden buzzer with all these sparkles. You can't help but feel it. Um, and I honestly, I guess you could call it a guilty pleasure, but I just love feeling this passion. You'll also feel it in those who don't get the golden buzzer, um, who uh, get the red buzzers. You know, um, you could feel the the, the vast difference of people still coming out being so passionate and these are their dreams and then it going away and then take that to the next level when they start doing uh, the actual competition and people are voting and they're getting voted off. I mean, all that emotion you can feel, which is why I think there's such a great draw to things like The Voice or American Idol back in the day, which I think is still on. But we were there with them in their in their fire and feeling it. Um, and that's addictive. You know, there's a reason why our society functions heavily, young focus, fire focused. I mean, that's what we highlight and um, really uh, celebrate in the professional arena is when people are in their fire. What we know is that it can't be sustained. It has to come down to that earth element. Um, and then if we want to, if you want to unpack the entertainment industry and, and talk about burnout and talk about what happens to these artists when they are in their fire and they try to push it too long, uh, we see that. Whereas you also see this really beautiful thing for artists who are in fire and then they like disappear and they go and write and they're there and they go through their cycle. They're in that water cycle. They start to create music in the spring and then they come back out. Um, so you can really see that in the music industry. And I find that fascinating. The other place that these elements were sneaking up on me uh, is in books. So there's a lot of uh, actually science fiction or fantasy books. There's a lot of um, ideas around factions or segmenting people. Uh, and I find it really interesting that you can really kind of start to put the elements to those individuals. Um, and so one of them is a book that I read actually right before I found Chinese medicine. It was probably the last series that I read that was like a fiction-based series that I really enjoyed. I remember staying up all night because I was so immersed in it. And it was the Divergent series. Um, and you know, that's so awful that I don't know who wrote it. I'm going to look it up right now. Um, because that's awful of me to say the Divergent series and not say, oh, the Di Divergent series by Veronica Roth. This became a movie feature, uh, which the movies are okay, but the books are really, really good. I love the books, but in the books, and if you've seen the movie, you're familiar that there are these five factions, um, which I found fascinating. I think that's what kind of lured me into the book originally, because, um, I just found, these faction base and how she kind of unpacked uh, society and what was happening really fascinating. So now we fast forward to the fact that I found Chinese medicine and I understand from an elemental perspective, uh, these five factions actually fall into the elements pretty easily. So for example, 
She has a faction called Abnegation, which is very selfless. They basically are seen as doing nothing. Maybe um, they are dressed in very dull kind of colors. They end up being government because they're seen as the most neutral. Um, And to me, they speak of water, the way they function, the way they act, uh, really hanging out in that water element. And then moving on to wood, which I would say to me, I was fighting about this because the dauntless, which are the brave, they have the fire as their emblem. However, I think they're really wood. If you think about a wood personality, if you read about it in there, uh, the wood personalities that I know definitely would end up being dauntless, uh, from this book. And then moving into fire, which I think is erudite, which is highlighted as being intelligent. But if you see the fiery kind of big visionaries that they are, uh, how they're captured in her literature and how she describes this faction, uh, really would be fire. And then going into earth, which is amity, which are their peacemakers, Um, they scream earth to me. Uh, in fact, if you watch the film, they are the caretakers of the earth. Um, so even their colors, I think their colors correspond with, uh, correspond with, uh, in Chinese medicine, they're the yellows and the browns because they dress these factions dress, uh, in these certain colors. But anyways, so, and then coming back to the last one, which is, um, metal, which is candors, which is basically like their attorneys, very black and white. Uh, metal elements tend to be very black and white. Uh, they struggle to be subjective. Uh, so that was almost to a T, but the majority of these, uh, elements were very clear in this series. Um, and there's, I think something about it that spoke to me, um, that really, uh, resonated at some level that I didn't understand until now, you know, things come full circle. Um, there's a reason why there was some kind of truth embedded in this book that I knew that was a hundred percent fiction that spoke to a greater truth that I think that I was missing. Um, and they're, they're everywhere. I mean, there's a author, I mean, not author artist that I like to follow Laura zombie. She just came out with a, um, artwork that she just finished. This is a beautiful dance between fire and water. Uh, so very symbolic, symbolic for me because fire and water are my two dominant personalities that I'm always trying to find balance between. So these elements really are everywhere. So to close out this series, I wanted to do something special and what I thought would be a really cool way to do this is actually to give you a listing of some fiction books because we've been reading nonfiction. These are for personal growth. But as I just shared from the Divergent series, which I highly recommend if you want a fun read and that sounds like your cup of tea, um, those books allow you to escape. And there's a lot of them that add to my um, processing my reflection because they take you on these life experiences without you having to live them. Um, and so I'm going to give you in the show notes, my top five fictional reads, um, that I have engaged and indulged in this summer or in the past, obviously Divergent will be on that list and that series of books. However, that was before, way before, but then the others have been ones that I've read, uh, the other four that I've read actually this summer or earlier this year, and they have been 
just incredible, uh, incredibly moving for me in my evolution. And they were just really beautiful escapes for me. So that's my gift to you as we close out this book club. And I'm also really excited to share with you that the book club is not gone. So if you loved the members of this book club, they have chosen to come back in 2022. And they're going to continue this journey with us with a little bit of a spin. They're going to actually pick the books this time instead of me. Uh, And so each of them are going to bring something to add to the conversation. So I really look forward to those conversations starting in season three. Uh, But other than that, this is a wrap for us on the second season of the book club series. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Heart of It podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as the book club is continuing to unpack their latest and final book this season. Um, I want to take a quick minute and tell you about a program that is launching in August, which is called Leadership Legacies. In particular, this message is going out to anybody who may be leadership ideology alumni. So whether your employer paid for a leadership ideology, if you've ever done work with me in the past where the outcome has been, I created a belief statement of who I am as a leader. This is for you. Leadership Legacies is an exclusive, free online community for leadership ideology alumni. And if you found yourself saying, that's me in the last few statements, then this community is for you. You're going to want to get in there and connect with these like-minded individuals who have all been doing similar work, been on a similar path and have a similar vision as you come together in this community where we're going to transform those statements into legacies by helping you solidify it, shape it, bring it tangible form and action, but also sustain you through this amazing supportive community. Not to mention, we've had constant requests for the next level of education in that program it's in legacies. So if you want access to our five-year continuing education program that formally starts in August, 2021, join today. Leadership Legacies, learn more at theheartcenter.com.